on January 10th there was a story that was um, put into a local Facebook group just saying that there was a hub is what it was described as would a refugee hub would be opened in Shannon um, but that po- local politicians and town councillors weren't aware and they had been spoken to and they didn't know so there was I suppose very little information this was all that was put out there this information had become available the OPW had a building this was uh, been acquired by the government and they were going to put a refugee centre in there and that was it so I suppose there was a lot of comments then online people saying oh my god what's what's happening how come nobody has any information and a lot of the comments were around like Shannon can't cope with this there's no infrastructure what about the resources you know because Shannon has been really welcoming to refugees always has been even with the Ukrainians there's been an awful lot of support but it was genuinely kind of saying okay but how much more people can you bring into a system that isn't functioning with the people within that system Um, so kind of went quiet there was really nothing said about it and then a kind of couple of weeks later people asked asking again, sorry, what's going on? We've had no answers. Can anybody tell us anything? And there was a meeting organised just at the back of Supermax, just asking people if they had concerns, you know, could we meet together rather than over and back online? So about 10 people came to the meeting and some people said, like, they didn't know it was on, they weren't aware. And they said, like, if I'd known, I'd have come. So I suppose, obviously, it's a very difficult topic to manage on a community page. Um, and I understand that because, it, you know, tensions get high and everybody yeah. has a different opinion. So I suppose then, obviously, for, you know, reasons, the page had just closed down because obviously there was other things going on in the background there. So I just set up a Shannon Residence Facebook page and I had just messaged a couple of people saying, look, I set up this page. Um, would you be able to join and maybe give some information to me? Because I wanted some information and it kind of took off. I didn't expect it to. I thought maybe 20 or 30 people might come in, look for information and you could have a meeting with with a couple of people. But I, I think it kind of took off from there. So like, there's over a thousand people in it now. Now everybody is there for different reasons. It's impressive numbers all the same. Um, but yeah, I suppose then like it was just people were coming in saying, look, what is going on? Why is there no answers? How come we don't know? And they had set a meeting for the week after on that um, Sunday for the Saturday. So I said, look, let's go ahead with the meeting and let's see what we can do. But unfortunately, you can't get a venue. Uh, nobody would allow you to hold a meeting in a, in a you know in a hotel or you have to have it in a public place so I suppose you obviously run the risk then of you can't control a public place although we did ask politicians not to come that was on the back of we didn't want to turn to turn into a political event mm. um, so it kind of it, it, it kind of exploded a little bit from there and obviously the meeting was shared online by people you know we just put up the details of it people were screenshotting it putting it into other groups um, so we had the meeting on that um, Saturday we were just kind of raising some of the concerns that people had brought forward and just kind of saying could we form a committee could we get people together um, that could discuss these concerns and, and maybe get more information that might reduce people's fears Okay, so you're, you're, you're for, that, those are the reasons you formed. You've, you've kind of, you first heard or became aware that something maybe happened in relation to accommodating refugees on January 10th. And it sounds like you're, you're all asking questions uh, in a, a relative vacuum of, of, of information. Like, I mean, w- with a group with as many people in it as the Shannon Residence Group has, there will be different, differing opinions. But what's the prevailing feeling amongst your group in relation to this or is it confusion at the moment or just because there is there has been that lack of information I think, yeah it had been confusion initially because people didn't know who was going in there how many what impact that would have what services it would impact and i suppose that void has been filled then and you don't want to fill that void with rumor or fear because there's a lot of older people in Shannon as well um so i think particularly people would then look to 
oh, what, what is happening? What's go- how is this going to affect me? And if you don't have that answer, I mean, you can't tell somebody you're not allowed to be afraid. You just tell, you can tell somebody you don't need to be afraid because this is what we're going to do. But if that this is what we're going to do doesn't come, then that fear remains. And I think that it was trying to create even dialogue just to get what is actually happening here and look for answers. So that's really what we set out to do. I mean, there's 22 people joined the committee. And like we're a mix of ages and professions. There's, you know, I'm a mama too. There's grandparents on it. Everybody's just come in, kind of looking to support this and look for answers. So that's that's what we're trying to do at the moment. Okay. Well, um, we'll see if you got some answers because you did. You know, you met with local politicians over the weekend to to discuss the development and and concerns about resources. And can can you? Talk to us, Elaine, a bit about, you know, what issues were discussed? What did you have to say to local representatives? What did they have to say to you? Yeah, like we'd kind of collated a list of questions that had come to us via the Facebook group and our email. And, you know, we gave them that before we met them to see this is what's coming forward from people and see could they give us some answers. So they did meet with us, did meet with us in fairness. And um, we got more information, I think, than we knew going in, which was good. Uh, so I suppose they said, you know, 300, but that could possibly be double that. I mean, there's no definitive answer here of how many because it isn't really, there's nothing set in stone yet. Um, they said the design team are going in, uh, I think, this week. And once the design team go in and look at the building and look at the layout and look at what it can accommodate, then, you know, further down the line, you will get more answers. Uh, some people were asking, you know, would it be Ukrainians that were housed locally in hotels that might go in there? Mm-hmm. And um, they said, no, it wasn't going to be used to house Ukrainians. It would be used, you know, specifically for international protection applicants. And I suppose maybe that changes things because it's adding new people into the system rather than bringing people that are in the system already in. And that becomes, I suppose, an issue down for further resources, what resources are needed, because that's been the big question on people's minds. Okay. The the issue, and you mentioned like resources in, in Shannon, it, would it matter where they went in Shannon? Is it the particular issue that they're going into the business park or given that you're saying that you've kind of concern around resources for the number of people already living in Shannon, is it just an issue, would it be an issue no matter where they went? It doesn't matter really where they are in Shannon. I suppose Shannon is a, you know, population of over 10,000, but it's a small, it's relatively small town in that respect. But it, so the services that would be used would still become within the town area. So things like, I mean, even buses, that's been an issue for Shannon and for a while. People haven't been able to get on the bus. The bus is full by the time it gets from one end of Shannon to the other. So people have missed college, missed hospital appointments, late for work. So I suppose if you and, and they knew even bringing in when the Ukrainians came that that would increase the population and people would be using the bus services but I suppose it became a problem and then they had to fix it rather than planning it out before they came in to alleviate that pressure. So I suppose that's one concern that people have. If you can't get the very basics of a bus right then really what other issues aren't you looking at and where does that go wrong for people, for everybody? What? No doubt you flagged all of this up during your meetings with the local local representatives that, you know, concern over resources. Can there be an improvement to, to resources? Can there be an improvement, as you mentioned, public transport? What do they say in relation to that? Was there any prospect of any of that being improved upon before uh, the, the international protection applicants are accommodated, which you know, the Department of Integration says it anticipates this property coming online later in the year, so there's no definitive date as of yet? No, there isn't. And I suppose obviously there's been a call out, you know, um, 
uh, Roderick O'Gorman had called out for different buildings to be made available even if it's just a mattress on the ground I think he used a, you know camp beds they weren't actually looking at fitting out a lot of the facilities community and sports centres been used so I suppose like you don't know when this will come online and when the design team come in but re- realistically if they need a building um, quickly you know things can things can be escalated and pushed forward so I think what they said really was that they couldn't guarantee that these infrastructures would be in place prior to this going ahead and there is no plan they don't plan for this we weren't meant to get this information that was clear this was broke by somebody in December had contacted a politician saying I met somebody from I think Galway who had come down a contractor and he mentioned in passing that he was in the industrial estate at this unit that was go, you know proposed to be a refugee hub so that's when the information kind of became available. But that was December and then politicians had put it to government officials and not mm. got a reply back. So this information really came to our attention earlier than they had anticipated. I think it would have been much later that we would have found out. And that's why I suppose maybe what worried people is that if you don't liaise with local people and you don't liaise with local stakeholders, then that creates an issue that you're not asking the people who live in the town, who access resources in the town, what do you need? And that's what people are pushing for now. We need to be heard. We need more resources. And it's, you know, you can't create that divide. It's not an an us and them. It's for everybody. These resources are for everybody. People coming in and people who are there already. I'm sure, Elaine, that you you want, you know, take the opportunity while you're here to stress this is purely about resources uh, rather than any particular issue with the people themselves uh, coming. I've seen recent comments from you saying, you know, that, look, those who were opposed to the arrival of refugees, international protection applicants to the area shouldn't be described as racist. Yeah, I think and what I would say, and I've always said this, we're not opposed to refugees, we're opposed to the government mismanagement of this entire situation, which unfortunately does impact people and it impacts their day-to-day lives. I mean, if you're sitting at home and you're wondering, I can't get a GP or I can't get an appointment for two weeks, and this is the reality for me and for my parents as well, not being able to get an appointment, having to bring your own bloods to the lab because you need the procedure and you have to drive to Ennis to the lab to bring your bloods because that's a service isn't available, then you're going to get worried that what impact would that have on me if I get a delayed diagnosis, if I end up in UHL? We already know the issues with UHL. So that's a real fear for people that if you don't put in the resources, what impact does that have on their life and on their children's lives? Is there is there a fear though amongst the group? Um, have, has the view been expressed to you from others saying that, look, our concern is around resources and it's genuinely around resources, but we are worried that we will be we will be branded as uh, as racists for sticking yeah. our head above the parapet. I think when I did that, I knew that there was a there was a real you know there was there was a real reality here that I I could be labelled racist or labelled far right. But I think if you know who you are and you know what you stand for, I'm I'm, I'm well able to speak up for myself. I you know. I'm a strong personality, but you could think somebody who wasn't, how you'd be impacted by that. When people are, you know, calling you names online when you're genuinely just looking for answers. Hmm. So I think I think people need to move away from that. This isn't, um, you know, we want refugees and we don't want refugees. There's, there's, that's not where the two sides are. It's that we need resources for all and services for all. I mean, we're not looking for, you're not looking for perfection here. You're never going to get perfection, but we are looking for better better services, better resources, better communication and a better access to, you know, community to have for things that they need, GPs, school places. They're real issues for people. They affect our day-to-day lives. You can't ignore that. And I think if you, when somebody calls you racist or far right, 
the dialogue ends. There is no room for that. You can't really have a conversation with somebody if they think you're coming from a place of racism or they're coming, you're coming as far right. You can't then engage in conversation and that's the problem. We have, though, Elaine, seen other protests in relation to refugees take place around the country which have either been led or hijacked by those with a right-wing agenda. Are you concerned at all that you know, what you see as your legitimate concerns around resources and a struggle over resources with more people coming into the area could be hijacked by, by these kind of people that malicious actors could take the concerns of real concerns of people in Shannon and turn them into hate. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that was the reality why we wanted to do it different. And we were clear when we had the first meeting that it wasn't a protest, that it was a meeting. And we tried to form the committee, set up the group. I think you look at what's been done around the country. I think what happened was people were brought in, you know, um, already. And then people felt, oh, I've no no other... um, I have to come out here and I have to look at what's going on. And yes, it's been infiltrated by people that have a different agenda. Mm. Now, that's not who we are. We're not associated with far right. We're not associated Uh, with... What would you say to those, you know, some of those far right elements or figures interested in coming to future meetings or any of your meetings, be it letting themselves be known or otherwise, what would you say? They're not welcome. I mean, they're not welcome in Shannon. The people of Shannon and the people, you know, around and people that access services in Shannon, they're the people that this affects. You don't need people coming down from Dublin. You don't need people coming from around the country fighting for resources or fight for whatever their agenda is. We are fighting for resources within our own town and we should be allowed to do that, but we should be allowed to do it on our own. They're not welcome. We want people, Shannon people, people who access services in Shannon, to come out and push for more resources, to raise the issues, to tell their stories. So absolutely not. I would condemn any of the behaviours of people linked to far-right association, any of that. Because we're not, I'm just an ordinary person. I'm a mum of two kids. I work in mental health, I see the impact that when you don't plan and you f- everybody has failed, not just the people that are in the system, the people that are coming into the system. It's not good enough anymore. What would you say to the view that, look, we, we have an obligation to help refugees. We know the state's struggling to find enough accommodation. They're looking at alternative options such as this proposal uh, in the Shannon Business Park. They, these, these options have to be looked at and explored and yeah, there are, it's going to be difficult for everybody because they're probably, you know, resources may be an issue and it's going to be difficult, like you mentioned in public transport, it's going to be difficult to turn that around to any degree, to improve it any degree before more people come into the area, but that we have to help these people and if it's going to be difficult for all of us, well then so be it. I suppose if you bring people into a system that's already stretched, you further impact the people that are coming in. And that's the concern. I mean, you've already heard on the news there earlier, they're saying, you know, these are vulnerable people coming in. They're coming in with needs. But you can't fail people by not meeting their needs at the offset. I mean, we all know early intervention is key in anything. If people need psychological support, mental health supports, health supports, you can't just bring people in and say, that's it, you're here and we're done. You have to meet the needs. And then that creates a divide already. So I think the government are creating the divide by not communicating with people, not liaising with people and not meeting the needs of those that are coming in because it's really important that you do that because it has a knock-on effect in the community. Okay. Just look, as we say, there's no exact timeline for the facility. The Department of Integration says it anticipates it'll come online later in the year. Do you feel, Elaine, 
that say, say for example it's the last quarter of the year do you feel that'll be enough time to assuage your, your concerns or address the concerns that you have around resources I think you'd need to see them act on this and you'd need to see them listen if you do the same thing, thing all the time and expect a different result that's not going to work so they can see in other areas where they didn't liaise with communities what happened and then it was kind of saying, well, can you do it differently now? Can you liaise with communities? What can communities do? What can you do? How can we come together to support the people in the community, support people coming in and, you know, give the resources into the town? I think people are often met with when they look for resources. The government often say, you know, it's a funding issue. There's no money available. So people become very concerned then that their needs aren't met. They can't get home carers. They can't get, you know, assessments done. They can't get hospital appointments. So you have to really start to scale it back and look, what can we do differently and how can we put in the resources? And I said, I'm not looking for perfection, but they have to do better.